And I think it's so disingenuous. This happens in Spec Ops The Line, where, like, they keep telling you, like, oh, hey, you have to go through the world. You have to play play the game. But also, the game's telling you to stop. And it's like, oh, do you feel like a hero? Because you're, you know, actually the bad guy. You've been the bad guy the whole time. And I think it's very disingenuous for game designers to be like, hey, we worked very hard to make sure this is an interesting part of our game. Also, why did you do it, you you stupid gamer, you nasty little pervert? Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes either will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm a sleepy ghost. And this week, we fall through the barrier to talk about Undertale. Before we surrender our souls to end humanity, remember you can help us on Mortify the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla, do you remember the year 2015? <laughs> Uh, it's one of the ones I've actually lost, uh, completely. <laughs> <laughs> 2015 was a special year for me because it was in my, in my memory, it was the year I turned 21. Uh, in, in many ways, it was, it was the year in which I am still trying to recapture something of myself. Um, you know, I, 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 I had, I talked about this, um, probably on some podcast, but that was like the year that I was like, man, that was the best year ever, uh, for me. Um, and one of the reasons that is is because I started to listening to listening to podcasts, um, including a lot of video game ones, and and Undertale came up a lot uh, in those video game podcasts. And I'm just wondering, Layla, do you remember any of the discourse surrounding Undertale uh, back in the day? Um, okay, so 2015 was the worst year of my life, ah. and I don't remember it. Um, and what I did a lot in 2015 was spend time on Tumblr. And what I know of Undertale is that everybody wanted to fuck Sans for some reason. <laughs> I mean, that is a key detail. Don't get me wrong. Great. <laughs> as long as we both understand the context from which we're coming. Yeah. But my understanding is, like, neither of us had played it before before this week, right? Mm-mm. It's one of yeah. those things, and I've said it, I think I've said it on this podcast before, but, like, if it's if something is too popular, I, like, leave it for a couple of years, and then I come back to it generally, um, just because I don't, I don't really like to get caught up in a hype. I think that's valid and fair, um, and I, I think we'll talk about, you know, what your giving it some distance means, uh, you know, playing it six years away from its peak, um, but yeah, uh, for people who don't know, Undertale is a, gosh, it, I mean, it's it's an RPG that came out in 2015, like, you know, pixel art, um, turn-based, also has some bullet hell elements, there's a lot of dodging, um, but basically it follows the story of this, you know, your your player character, you know, for, for me it was Aaron, for Layla it was Bean, is that correct? Yes, I named her Bean. <laughs> yeah um who who falls to down from the world of humans uh into the land of monsters um and basically you learn that there's a war between the humans and the monsters and to separate the two worlds they put up this barrier that keeps them out and the only way to you know break through that barrier is to collect seven human souls uh smash the barrier and then you know the monsters can can go back into the human world but it, because they're you know, segregated down there, the monsters have been having like increasingly worse quality of life, and everybody's like kind of bummed out about it. Um, but like the thing that makes Undertale interesting, uh, that that made such a splash is the way that it sort of subverts traditional RPG mechanics. Um, you know, if you're somebody who whose first RPG was Pokemon, like you're gonna get you're gonna play this game in the completely wrong way. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what that necessarily means, but, uh, because of the way that it took those RPG tropes and, uh, kind of, kind of made them, you know, made it, made itself a commentary on the way that we, we play games. Uh, I think it, it generated a lot of conversation and I don't think, you know, I don't know that it's it as relevant as it was back in, in 2015. I mean, uh, the games have come a long way in the past six years, 
but uh, I, I am definitely glad we played it, um, or at least, you know, consumed the story, because it, it does inform, you know, it, it does take up space in that video game, you know, narrative conversation that I would like to, to talk about. Yeah, I feel like this is going to take up the same space for us as, like, Akira did, which is to say we it is important that we watched it because we have a media podcast and we are people who like media and media history, but um, we are not the target audience, and that's okay. Yeah, Layla, um, let's, let's talk about the characters. Um, um, you know, that's kind of how we do this podcast, and then we'll talk about why, you know, we, ha- we have some thoughts, certainly. But we will get to why it ne- didn't necessarily work for, for us. Um, tell me about the player character, Layla. Um, well, so generically, the player character's name is Frisk. Um, I was... So usually in RPGs, um, if you don't feel like naming your character, so like I grew up playing .hack, if you don't want to name them and they're like a, um, a generically built character whose appearance you can't modify you can usually just skip the naming and it gives them a default name so like in dot hack it's kite um in i don't know I, I you get red or blue in pokemon like you brought up um but undertale makes you name frisk there's no such thing as default frisk you have to name them so i named mine bean because i thought it was cute um and uh they are not voiced they have no dialogue uh you kind of get to presume what they say based on the reactions, um, which there was a really good gag about that when uh, you talk to a dummy and then later on in the game, uh, the dummy's cousin is like, the things you said to him were so vile, <laughs> but like, you don't know what you said. So it's just, it's a total shock. Um, uh, yeah, and it's, it's just like a nice kid protagonist that you can kind of mold into one of the three types of game you could play. Yeah, exactly. Um, the first person Frisk meets uh, in Undertale, however, is you've probably seen an image of this. It's a little flower. It's a smiling little flower, and his name is Flowey, and he's here to be your friend. Mm-hmm. Flowey's a little bitch. Yeah, uh, it, it's revealed that Flowey is actually like the main antagonist of the, the entire game, uh, and he tries to kill you immediately. <laughs> Yeah, this is some fucking Madoka shit. Have you ever watched uh, Madoka? I don't know what Madoka is, but I thought you were saying Monica, who no, is no, no, a no. character in Doki Doki Literature Club. <laughs> Which is a very, a Which game that similar. also fucks with save files. So Madoka is a magical girl anime that you start out watching. You're like, oh, it's a magical girl anime. This is fun and delightful and blah, blah. And then it's the most fucked up shit you've ever seen your entire life it monica put me in like a like a dissociative state uh after i finished watching it and one of the main villains is not who you think it is so same same vein uh same same kind of vibe so i did not trust flowey when i met him and i'm glad i didn't yeah um after Flowey tries to murder you, uh, you are saved by a goat mom named Toriel, um, who is who's a nice lady who just wants to keep you safe. I love Toriel. Toriel, I'm so sorry I killed you on accident. <laughs> I crit her. I didn't mean to crit her, but I did. So here's the thing. You can't not crit her. Um, oh, you, fuck that. Yes, that's... We're, mm-hmm, we're, now, now you see... We're going to talk about some of the choices made in this game. But yes, if you, for whatever reason, choose to fight Toriel in the final confrontation, where she's like, okay, you know, this is the only way I got to see if you're strong enough. If you choose to fight Toriel, you will automatically do like a ludicrous amount of damage and kill her. And she'll be like, oh, I wasn't protecting you. I was protecting them. Um, and and here we can sort of get into like how we decided to, to do our runs because... Um, I mean, I came in knowing that, like, there is a good route, and I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to do the genocide route, um, so I'm going to do the the pacifist route, and I was like, okay, I'm never going to use the fight command. That's just a rule that I made for myself, and I was like, all right, I'm just going to always use either act or spare, uh, and, you know, after, you know, like, 10, 15 frames of, like, her being like, you have to, you know... You have you cannot go go back. You're gonna have to. You're not gonna be strong enough. Eventually, she lets you you through, and she's like, "Okay, well, you know what? Uh, you you seem like you're pretty strong, and you're not gonna fight me. So, go ahead. I I wish you the best." So I was under the impression that 
you weren't not allowed to ever use the fight command, but like Toriel says, as long as you don't kill them, you can whack them a couple times. So that's what I was trying to do, is I was trying to whack her and get her low. Because that's something that is like outlined in the tutorial process. It's like, okay, well, if you get their HP low enough, maybe they'll change their their the way they're going about things. And so I accidentally killed her and the game doesn't let you, there's no like load game. So it killed my mom and I felt terrible. And I knew at that point that like a pacifist run was out of the question for me, but I still did not kill anyone after her. Um, I, with the lesser monsters, I didn't even ever touch the fight command, but with the boss monsters, obviously it was like a mix of the two. That being said, Papyrus did kick my ass. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And then, full disclosure, listeners, I did stop playing at the final Metaton fight, and I went and I looked at a playthrough. Because by the time I got to Metaton, I was so fucking over it. <laughs> yes, and I think that's completely valid. Um, you know, I didn't finish Thomas Was Alone when I, when I tried it, We and I didn't finish um, fucking uh Hyrule Warriors either so like we're, we're not we're not going to be fucking completionist purists here uh in the spirit of Undertale we don't want to necessarily be completionists um oh yeah I don't think I could emotionally handle a genocide run <clears throat> yep um Metaton's a, a great character in in my opinion oh, well hmm we'll we'll see uh we'll talk about Metaton in a sec but we got to get to the stars the actual main characters of uh, Undertale Sans and Papyrus <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, these guys really are, like, what people were obsessed with, right? And I'm not gonna lie to you, I had no idea that their names were Sansa Papyrus until I saw their fonts that they talked in, because it's Comic Sans and Papyrus. And then I was like, well, this is the funniest joke on the planet, so... (laughs) (laughs) I get it. Um, Which one do you like better? Do you have a fave? Because my fave is fucking Papyrus. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, My fave is Sans, um... But I was very disappointed that Papyrus did not uh, lay down his bony pipe and give me what I was craving uh, during the game. Uh, <laughs> did you know you can date Papyrus? No, that's wild to me because Frisk reads like a five-year-old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, uh, <laughs> it is a very strange game and Papyrus does speak like a child, but apparently he is a consenting adult. Uh, he, Oh, I he hate did, that. Well, let's see. I don't know. Let, let's. Hmm. Okay. He, he wasn't trying to fuck me, uh, but he did want to go on a date with me, and then he realized that he wasn't that into me. So I was a little offended by that. Is all I'm saying. Um. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Toby, that's Cox, okay. What's up? What's going on? Well, like that's the Sans and Papyrus stuff. Or Papyrus specifically is very interesting because, like, you you know you the first like level of this game is you meeting them and like you know sans being like i like to tell puns and you know can you just humor my brother he he really wants to be a captain in the guard and and uh he, he's very silly but he's a good guy uh and you know, you if you i don't know what what you did but i i was like okay i'll just do whatever sans tells me and, and i'll be nice to papyrus and okay yeah there's like a lot of traps and, and none of them work and you know you do some puzzles it's it's the puzzles weren't even they were not very difficult like i'm notorious for not <laughs> having zero patience with puzzles so i was like okay i, I was able to handle it um yeah I, li- I like the puzzles i thought they were they were nice yeah I, I that is exactly the level of difficulty i want <laughs> in a video game um but like once you start to talk to papyrus like there's some like really funny bits like where he's like okay i'm gonna leave out some frozen spaghetti in a microwave uh and that's gonna slow you down and you won't realize that you're being slowed down and that's gonna be my secret like you know my evil plan ha 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 um and then later after you you know defeat him in the boss fight he can be like hey you know do you want to like if you want to hang out sometime you can come back to my house uh and we and this is the line that he says like we can do whatever people do when they go into bedrooms and he like like raises his eyebrows um but he doesn't know what that is um as because when i went into his bedroom i was like all right man what what you got uh he you know like a whole like dating sim screen came up you could probably find a screenshot of that all over the internet but like yeah he was just like oh yeah i I should give you items to raise your stats or, or or something and 
uh, it's it's very funny and i i like the way that they like you know break the fourth wall constantly i do i do love that generally speaking in video games i just really liked how they deployed papyrus and sans i hate what you just told me oh no <laughs> oh i am i was already kind of uncomfortable with having a flirt option in the act screen Okay, well, choices were made. Um, <laughs> I can't believe you didn't flirt with Papyrus. <laughs> I didn't flirt with anyone because I hate that that option was there for a character <laughs> that reads like a five-year-old to me. Um, wow. Um, well, the poof, okay. Well, the spaghetti guy was my favorite because out of everything this game threw at me, it was the most anxiety-inducing for me because I kept waiting for him to know that I didn't actually eat his delicious spaghetti. And then, like, tell me I'm a liar when I was just trying to make him feel better, even though the microwave he left me was unplugged. True anxiety. But then, (laughs) honestly, I was surprised that, like, the characters we befriended earlier in the game didn't come back later in the game. We'll get into it a bit later. I thought it was, I thought it was segmented a bit funny, but, um... But yeah, I love Sounds of Papyrus, uh, and uh, like I said, Papyrus is my my favorite because he's funny. Uh, Sans is just very like I feel like I would have liked Sans better a couple of years ago because he's very like I don't know he's just like broy I guess, <laughs> and I just I like a bit more earnestness nowadays. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, there's Undyne who is like a cool fish knight lady. Yeah, I hated her at first, and then I fought her, and I thought it was the funniest fucking fight. <laughs> <laughs> Where you just have to flee. Where you, well, not only do you have to flee, but she gives you a spear, she teaches you how to use it because she's bored, and then you have to just keep running away. <laughs> she's so mad! <laughs> yeah, I thought the running away was... It, it, I got clued in when the I noticed the heart turned back to red from... I think you turned blue no you turn it's green green i think yeah Yeah. so i noticed when the heart turned back from green that it like went to red and i was like ah i can run away but it did surprise me how many times it was like five times you have to run away from her um but then the gag at the end where she like it fizzles out and you have to give her water i thought was cute uh because she's a fish lady so you don't like give her the cup of water you just dump it on her (laughs) yeah it's it's a good i thought that was extremely cute um But, uh, uh, so, uh, with Undyne, I feel like we should also talk about that little dinosaur boy that follows you around. The little the yellow kid, guy? yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's extremely cute. Yes, I love the kid. The, the way they animate him is so adorable. Like, he, like, always runs and, like, falls and, like, slides a little bit and then gets back up and keeps running. And he's just, like, so excited to see Undyne. He thinks Undyne's, like, the coolest person ever. Uh, very cute character. That little running animation never fucking gets old. But, like, he's such a good uh, weather vane for what the game is, too, because everyone's trying to hunt this human. And when he figures out you're the human, he wants to be your enemy, but then, like, can't because... You guys are, like, friends now in his eyes, which I thought... I thought it worked really well. I thought he was really cute. I miss that little guy. Yeah, I, I think he's great. Um, we also meet Alphys, Dr. Alphys, who is, like, this dinosaur scientist. And my understanding is that you did not l- love Dr. Alphys. I like Alphys. I hate the way she's implemented in terms of gameplay. Um, because if she updated her fucking status one more time, I was gonna shut off the game. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the way that, so, like, as you're progressing through, like, in my opinion, the most difficult sequence of puzzles in the game, which are still not that difficult, but there's, like, a lot of them in a row, and, like, Alphys will, like, constantly call you, or, like, you will get updates on her Facebook, or, or Twitter, or whatever, and, like, you're, you know, you're forced to read them, so you can't, like, walk more than a couple steps without updating it, and it didn't grate on me, it seems like, in the way that it really bothered you, but I can completely understand, like, how annoying that would be, especially if you're trying to, like, just get through the game. I, I'm, listen, I don't know if it's, like, an ADHD thing, or if I'm just impatient, or what, but I cannot stand having gameplay interrupted like that, and what makes it worse is that when you die, which I died, like, four or five times, but if you die, you the fucking endgame screen is like four slides long. If I saw Bean stay determined one more time, <laughs> I don't know what I would have committed a crime. I don't I can't. Like just tell me game over and let me go back in the game. You know what I mean? Like I it's so it drives me fucking nuts. Like that's just me as a game a gamer TM. <laughs> 
that's just kind of how as I as a gamer. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't really like. Uh, I, I should be clear. G a y m e r. Um, mm, but uh, uh, yeah, I just I can't stand having like. If if you're telling me solve a puzzle, that is the task you're giving me. I want to do that task. There was not a moment during that sequence after between the lab and uh, the core that I wasn't fuming. It was it was not a great gameplay experience for me and and just like my style of of going about things. Yeah, um, and that that would probably be really frustrating, especially going into the the final Metaton fight. Um, because like that, that was a difficult fight. I enjoyed it, but it 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 was not easy. Um, and then you're getting interrupted by Metaton the whole time with his stupid fucking game shows. Uh, like truly, I liked I liked the game shows. I got I can't <laughs> I can't lie. I would have liked them if I wasn't already frustrated. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So so Metaton is this like robot game show host, and he looks like a, a calculator with arms basically. Um, but he like rolls around and like, you know, he's like, oh, I'm a robot that's programmed to kill, but also I love to do, um, various game shows. And like, there's a couple times where like you like will stumble into an area and like, it'll be a kitchen and it's like, oh wow, this is a kitchen. And like, you're on a cooking show and then you have to do like a little mini game to, to figure out how to escape. And there's another time where you have to disarm a bunch of bombs. Um, and you have two minutes and otherwise, uh, you know, if you don't do it, then a big bomb will blow up. But then, you know, Metaton, uh is like you know still trying to get you and there's a quiz show element there there's a lot there's a lot of very interesting mechanics with metaton and i do i do like the way that they um deploy metaton as a character because there's one point where like metaton's like okay this is it i'm gonna kill this human and then that's gonna be end of my game show and he's like but my ratings are so good so i'm gonna get this call and i'm gonna i'm gonna talk to somebody and the person who called was like oh Metaton, I love your show so much. I can't believe it's ending. I'm I'm so sad. And like a bunch of people kept calling and being like, Metaton, I love your show. And you know, it's the only thing that I have down here in this dark world. And like, I I liked that. I did not get that. That hmm. never happened for me. Interesting. Uh, I will say during his first game show, did you ever accidentally guess one of the weird questions correctly? No, because Alpheus is giving you clues the whole time, and I picked up on that pretty quickly. So I just always checked with her. But which one did you guess? Wait, she gives you clues? Yeah, she is in the corner, and she's, like, using her hands to make the letters the correct multiple-choice answer. Oh, my God. I was single-handedly just fucking... Oh, my Lord. Did you, like, get a piece of paper out and write down the fucking train problem and be like, okay, if a train is moving at 75 miles an hour... (laughs) No, I guessed that one correctly. Crushed it. Crushed it. I I had to do it twice because I fucked up. I did not know she was making the look because I'm so focused on Metaton. Like I'm not looking at the rest of this is my problem all the time. This is what ADHD is, I think. <laughs> I was just like singularly focused on Metaton and I was like not even looking at Alphys until the part where he was making fun of her for wanting to date the concept of the unknowable, which I thought was very <laughs> funny. But no, I was I so on the first run through I got a bunch of them wrong, and the second one I only got one wrong. And I was flat guessing. Oh and it that's was very impressive. <laughs> really fun. Um, but I liked that. The baking show one was fun, too, because the baking show one was, like, it was good tension building, you know? Mm Because, like, nothing is happening. You're like, how the fuck is this going to go wrong? Because it's about to, but I don't know how. Um, and it ends up, it ends up going wrong. Um, but that was really great tension building. And then, um, I I could, I didn't need the play. I didn't need. Oh, you didn't like the, the, the little, the sing, the singing bit? No, because I couldn't skip it. That, that's fair, I guess. I couldn't. I was Aaron at that point. I was so mad. I just <laughs> I was like, please, I just want to go and find the king. That's all I want to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I liked that. Like, I, I thought it was kind of cute to see you know Metaton in a dress and and being you know singing this song and being like, you know the 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 lyrics kind of actually. Uh, match the 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 music that's playing in the background um and and like you know at first the song like starts to rhyme but then he just sort of goes off he's like you're gonna be in the dungeon you're gonna be super dead oh no whoopsie um and like i i thought it was cute um i don't know maybe i was just i was just in a mood where i could meet it where it was coming from i think so and i i was just trying to get through it so it just 
that was that was not great for me in a, in a place where I was just trying to get through the goddamn game. Yeah, um, we should probably have said this up front, listeners. We are actually double recording these next couple weeks. Um, so this is coming. We're recording this on the fourth, but this is not coming out until like the twelfth. So um, if we seem a little stressed in these next <laughs> couple episodes, that's why. Um, so please don't. You know, we're we're <laughs> we're trying very hard to make content. Um, it's just like like I said at the top of the show. It's, it's like. It does some mechanically very, very cool things. I love any time, like, a fight is individualized, which is what all of these boss battles are. Like, you have to come at them with their own approach. Like, I think that's very cool. I thought even, like, Papyrus's little blue heart trick where it turns into, like, a little Mario game where you have to, like, jump over the bones. I really like that. I like most of the characters. Um, I even like Alphys. Like, I just, again, like, can't stand being interrupted that way. So, um... It's, it's, like, good. It's a good game. It is just so not for me that uh, I think I would have started dreading it. And if I started playing it on my own, like, I don't think I would have ever finished it anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of what I like about the, the structure of Mortified is that it sort of forces us to at least try to finish things, even if it's not, like, playing it to completion. We still have to, like, watch videos and, like, be able to talk about it. So, you know, in that way, I am grateful for this, the structure of the show. No, yeah, same. Because I did, I did go and, and finish watching the story um, after that. Um, even though I quit in the middle, and the reason I should be clear, the reason I quit in the, I would have finished it out of sheer gumption. But the reason I quit in front in the middle of the Metaton fight is because I accidentally got myself in a position where I couldn't buy any more items. And mm. I just, like, kept dying. So I was like, I, I, I'm not going to go back through and grind. I'm not going to go back through and, like, get resources. Like, I'm, it was going to take too much time, and I'm already, like, suffering from eye strain. So I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, that's um, fair. But we have a couple more characters. So we have Asgore, who is the king. Yes. Um, what did you think of Asgore? I thought he was fine. I watched him in a video, and I was like, I get your whole shit. I don't have too many thoughts on Asgore. <laughs> I started to break a little bit bad on Undertale at Asgore, and I'll tell you why. Like I said earlier, I was determined to get through this entire game without using the fight button. Um, and thankfully, my wife uh, was watching me play and like giving me hints throughout the other entire time. That also definitely helped my ability to complete this game. It's just Sierra was just on the couch being like, okay, here's, here's a hint about what you need to do. Um... But, like, I was like, okay, well, Asgore, when you fight Asgore, he does this thing where he's like, okay, well, this is the final battle. I got to take your soul. And he takes his big trident out and destroys your mercy button. So you can't use the, um, you can't use the spare mechanic, right? You can't, you can't run away either. He, you just have your fight, your act, and your items. So for the longest time, uh, probably, I want to say 15 times uh before i finally was like okay i'm fucking out um maybe even 20 uh i fought asgore and for the first mm, 10 of them uh, or no it was probably seven because like you can talk to asgore and be like hey asgore i don't want to fight you and the first time you he he kills you you can go back and fight him and you could say you've already killed me once and asgore will just like nod uh and then it goes up up until seven uh, or actually, I think it's 10. It goes up until 10. You can keep saying, like, hey, you've killed me seven times. You've killed me eight times. Asgore will just continue to nod and continue to kill you until it gets to 10. And then it's just, and then it just says, uh, you tell Asgore he's killed you too many times to count. Uh, and Asgore is just like, yep. And he keeps killing you. Uh, and I just kept getting destroyed by one of his moves that I could not dodge. Uh, and I got so mad. But like Sierra, I was like, Sierra, there's got to be a way that... Uh, I can beat this game without fighting. And like, she looked it up and she's like, no, you have to use the fight button. I was like, what? What the fuck? I was so mad because I had literally not used the fight button the entire game. It seems completely like you, you know, you completely like the game can be finished without using the fight button. And then it takes you to here. And like, I was just so frustrated that that is what the game, like mechanically, you just cannot beat this fight if you're trying to do you any you can't beat the Asgore fight without using the fight mechanic and that was very very disappointing to me because i think that that really is 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 just like the game like i i looked up some reviews of of this from 2015 and um Nathan Grayson from Kotaku makes this point that like 
Um, Undertale walks a very fine line between making you feel smart and when you outsmart what is essentially the mechanical equivalent of an unreliable narrator and kind of pissing you off. And like, yeah, the fact that that you have to use the fight mechanic in in the Asgore battle is it was very frustrating to me. Um, but eventually, I was just like, "Fuck it!" And then I went back, and it took me like ten minutes to go back to backtrack into a place where I could buy items, and then I bought enough healing items that I was able to get through it. But I was just very, very disappointed by by that resolution, by that particular battle. Yeah, um, that's the thing. I mean, like that's part of what I really like about video games is like <sighs> there are moments where I really like feeling cornered into acting a certain way. Um, that being said, that's a really, 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 really tricky thing to do narratively. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot currently think of a good example of it because, audience, I have a migraine and I am not operating at 100%. Um, but uh, I can tell you there's moments um, in... I was going back to Dragon Age, but I was just talking about it last night. There's moments in, like, Dragon Age where they try to make you feel cornered. But if you think about the situation for, like, ten seconds, you can see that they're just not giving you an obvious option, which I'm not a huge fan of. And I feel like that's what that felt like to me, um, is that they just don't give you the obvious option to make you feel cornered. But that's not what's happening. So, yeah, I feel like that that would have hampered my experience of it, too, if I actually made it to that fight and if I was actually doing, like, true pacifist, like I intended to be doing, but fucked up. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, this game requires, I think for a six-hour game, which is what it is, if you're just, like, blasting through, for a six-hour game, this should not be done in one sitting. I think, I think, but you have to like what you're doing, so... You know, just be ready for, like, a patient, repetitive gameplay. Like, be ready to sit there and just repeat actions and, like, puzzle. Like, all the fights are puzzles. You have to puzzle your way out of everything. So, um, I feel like had I made it to Asgore, that would have also very, very much frustrated me. um, Because how do you puzzle your way out of that one when the narrative so far has told you that there are no exceptions to the don't touch the fight button thing yeah exactly um so then whenever you defeat asgore you you know flowey comes back and he kills asgore because like when you fight asgore you get him down basically to one health and he's like okay well you know maybe we don't have to fight and then and then flowey like comes up from behind and kills him uh and it's revealed that Flowey is actually um, the reincarnation of the king's like son, I think, yes. whose name is Azriel, uh, Azriel Dreamer. Um, what did you think of of Azriel and this this reveal? So Azriel is like a I I love a kid character. You know what I mean? I like I like that Frisk as a protagonist is a kid, and their final confrontation is a kid. I think that's nice. Um, you know, you, you get someone, you meet them on their own level. And then Azrael's like, he's the reincarnation of the, the son who died in the original human monster war. and But he got reincarnated without his compassion, so he's corrupt, I think, is what I read. Something like that. That Give seems right to me. I, I don't know that the game 100% conveys the, the lore super well. Yeah, I went into some additional reading because I had no idea what the fuck was happening. Um, I don't know. Like, I didn't play it, so so my feelings are very, like, filtered through watching it happen. But I, I feel like I would have felt kind of... For a game that really relies on you wanting... On hope as a mechanic, right? So, like, every time you save, it tells you to stay determined. Every time... Um, you, I don't know if you read any of the, like, monster history books, but a lot of them are, like... Uh, there was one quote that f- fucked me up pretty good that was like, monster souls are made out of like hope and love and determination, but humans have proved you don't need any of that, which is wild. Um, uh, so for a game that wants you to believe that like hope and love are and determination are the operating kind of like forces in the world, for you to go through an entire game, either in the pacifist or the neutral run, like trying your best not to kill, and then be forced into this confrontation that has just ruined 
an outcome you were forced into that you thought you'd won anyway by not killing Asgore that just feels almost um, confrontational from the side of the developer, you know? Like, it feels almost antagonistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of games doing. Yeah, we will talk about the conflicting views between the developer and and their their narratives um yeah well did you watch the the true pacifist ending though right you you find out what happens if you if you you know get the quote-unquote good ending yes so um it's fine you know it's fine I'm, I'm, i'm happy with it basically what happens is that you go back and you know you you do some special stuff you find out that um dr um dr alphys was like doing weird experiments and like trying to figure out how to inject determination into people and like fusing monsters together it was really weird and like there's a whole sequence underneath the lab that like was very frightening to me like it was it was really scary there's like a whole scene with like like a shape like wiggling in a, in a shower curtain and when you like pull it back the shape's not there and like there are some there are some sequences in in that uh you know lab scene that were just really scary even though like it was just like my wife was like right there next to me like telling me how to beat them i was just like so afraid um but like in the end you 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 go back you confront uh as uh, asgore one more time um and then what happens is like it's revealed that you know flowey comes back and like you know all your friends are there flowey comes back and like captures them all and and it's like i'm gonna kill them all uh and it you know like holds you in this state of suspended you know animation until you you finally like basically you just hit the button enough times to like get all your friends to come help you they they uh you know reach in and they they unlock the secret between of flowey's heart and it's revealed that he's you know asriel dreamer and he has like a cool like you know rainbow winged form and he looks dope as hell and eventually you you know the game is smart in that it doesn't let you die at this point because if if like like i was dodging shit but like i don't think i was actually dodging shit like i'm sure that like it was just like keeping me at one health because like if the game had like stopped and like made me redo this whole thing i would have just thrown myself through a window um but like you know you win you 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 reset the timeline you you free everyone and and you know you break the barrier and, it, and it's good and nobody dies um and that's fine I, i'm happy with with that resolution but like well as we'll talk about in a second i think unfortunately i think what the game is saying in the genocide route is a lot more interesting and we'll we'll talk about that in, in a bit but um so uh there is something that you may not um know about undertale which is that it is related to homestuck um <laughs> yeah uh, Toby Fox, who is the developer of Undertale, um, worked on Homestuck. And if you have that context going in, you can definitely see the influence, whether or not uh, working on Homestuck influenced Toby Fox, or if Toby Fox's influence is just that visible on Homestuck. Um, it's obvious. Aaron, did you ever read Homestuck? No, I have never seen a Homestuck ever. I do not know how I missed it in 2014, but I've never, I've only just ever been like, you've seen those memes where it's like, oh, every once in a while, somebody accidentally recreates Homestuck again. Yeah, oh God. Well, okay, so Homestuck, for, for those of you who like Aaron might have missed it, is just like a very, very long running a multimedia webcomic experience like it's kind of comic it's kind of game it's kind of video kind of musical it's a lot um really high production value for for once it gets going um mixed reception um i would say uh, more notoriety than maybe it deserves in the negative sense like like a lot of people hate on it because it's popular i think it's f- i liked it um it went on a lot of hiatuses so i kind of lost track of it in the hiatuses um but while i was into it in 2013 i really liked it i thought the story was fun um and so like it's you know it, it is what it is take it take it with a a grain of salt i wouldn't listen to the overly negative criticisms of it but i wouldn't listen to too much of the hype either like it's 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 a media property which means it is imperfect by nature um but uh uh, the thing that I really picked up on was, first of all, like the Sans Papyrus font jokes, like those are very, that's very 
now I'm stuck. The music being like such a big part of it, uh, very homestuck. Um, really quick, I'm gonna interrupt myself. Um, did you know Drill worked on the Homestuck game? Uh, not until that Sarah Zed video came out in April. Um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, but if you have any interest in learning about Homestuck uh, and an uh, Undertale connection to that, you watch this fucking two-hour video about the history of that particular web series. Yeah, please do. It is fucking wild. But anyway, it's a drill work on that shit. Anyway. But the other thing that I kind of picked up on was just this, like, thematic... There's, like, a thematic overlap between Homestuck and Undertale. And it's a thematic overlap that, I, again, I was really, really into between, like, 2012 to 14. And then I think I'm a little bit oversaturated on now, which probably affected my enjoyment of Undertale a little bit. Um, but it's this very, like, it, it's this, it, it, I think what it tries to be is a subversion of the, like, power of friendship trope in a lot of media, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think it tries to be this, this, like, deeper exploration of, like, love and hope and healing is the ultimate force with, like, a, with, like, a twist on it, you know, like, something goes wrong or, like, you, you you know, you talk about the ultimate evil or, like, how does love overcome? Uh, it, like, in Undertale, it is, again, this this kind of... God, I hate to say it, because I don't think this was the intent, but I think it might come off a little patronizing. Like, in a narrative that sets you up to to say, like, if you use hope and love and and determination to get through this this cataclysmic conflict then you will succeed right like it is it is setting you up with that premise in the beginning and then at the end telling you like ha, 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 no actually fuck you you're a fool it just it feels to me a little bit patronizing i guess depending on the the audience it's targeting and in this case it's like teens so i really I don't know how I feel about that kind of like borderline cynical take. No, I see what you're saying. Like, you know, making you have to use violence at, at any point at the end is kind of like, you know, it does kind of undercut its whole message of like, you know, just try to be friends with everyone. And like the ways in which Undertale, in order to get the true ending, makes you replay it and makes you go through a bunch of other weird stuff that is not hopeful or or cheerful and like does not fill you with determination and like it's it's revealed that determination is actually like something that is extracted from the souls of monsters or whatever um it is a little bit of a a tinting a tainting of its message that um you know i wish they didn't include yeah which just to be clear like i'm not saying that in a property that is using hope love and motivation as a driver you can't have dark moments like shira is really good i think at balancing a narrative based on hope love and determination with some like truly fucked up shit you know like the main villain rides around in a mega church with a bunch of clones of himself like there's there's some some shit happening in that animated show we gotta watch shira no now i want to watch shira (laughs) oh absolutely we should it's really good but um yeah, so you know, I'm not saying that like if if that's your driving force in your in your story, like you can't have some like cynical grim dark shit. You can. It's just how are you implementing it? And I think that both Homestuck and um, Undertale have moments where they implement it well. Like I mentioned that quote um, from the when you're reading in the library about how, like how humans don't need compassion or something in their souls to be living like that hit really hard i thought that was really good um then there's moments where i don't think it works very well which is when it feels like narratives are made complicated for the characters for the sake of making them complicated and not because something in the universe is driving that complication so i think there's like a fine line and uh like that kotaka review said um sometimes it's walked and sometimes it's crossed yeah um definitely there were definitely some frustrating aspects of it like in in those ways it is very much like a like an old school rpg um but like there were definitely some really really fun bits 
Like, did you want to talk about the world? Um, yeah, I would love to talk about the world. Hey, girls, bees of fire, and I think that's very good. It's just, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just really like that Grillsby, who has an, a fucking tavern or whatever. He's just a fire. I think that's really great. Um, I also like that um, the world made uh, its own justification for Christmas, which is that a monster you fight right before you get into the town it has like a bunch of decorations on him, and then they made up this whole lore about having to give him gifts, and now they put it under a tree. That's very good. I think that's very funny. Um, I, it like the first two towns are so fun and charming. Um, I every confrontation I had with a dog was the best confrontation with a dog I've ever had in a video game. Yeah, the the, the monsters are, are really fun. A, a lot of them, uh, especially in the early earlier parts, I not so much the later ones. I had to, I couldn't beat some of the ones in the later ones. I just had to run from them. But like my my favorite, so there is one monster that is like a horse man with abs, um, <laughs> and his name is Aaron, uh, which was confusing to me as somebody who named their PC Aaron. Uh, I was like, huh. That's a weird coincidence, but like you have to outflex him, and you have to the way you beat him is by flexing so much that he flexes himself off the screen, which is funny. And the reason Aaron found out that the monster's name is Aaron is because I sent him a screenshot of Aaron flexing in. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, good. It's not just me. Um, it's just Aaron flexing. I love Aaron so much. He's very good. Um, yeah, you got any other ones? The, the, the pair of knights where, like, they're trying to capture you, but, like, they're also, like, secretly in love with each other, I think was very fun. Like, you, the, for, the, the way you beat them is, like, you have to polish off the armor of one knight, and because you're in, like, the hot, hot land, like, his, his armor gets too hot, so he has to take it off. And then his partner is like, oh, wow, now I can see your glistening pecs, and I'm, like, really, oh, I don't know how to, to do about this. And then you have to convince that other guy to be like, just be honest about your feelings. And once you beat them, like they have this big confession of love and then they go and get ice cream and it's fun. It's very good. Uh, uh, I really like the knights. I also like the dogs, um, uh, That the the pair of dogs that you fight. Uh, oh, that are like married? Yes. Yeah, so you, you, um, you walk into the first area and it says, beware dog wedding. And I'm like, here we fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> the second fight says, or the second sign says, no, you didn't read that wrong. <laughs> Beware. <laughs> Dog marriage. Uh, and then you go and you get these dogs and they're just like, I think they they like have hoods over their eyes or some shit so they can't see you, but they smell you and they're like, you smell weird. And the way you win that fight is you roll around in the mud and then they think you're just a weird puppy and then you pet them and they lose their fucking minds. They're like, dogs can pet other dogs? <laughs> That's so funny to me. And then when you go into the Grillsby's fucking tavern, which is probably my favorite location in the game, honestly, you go into Grillsby's tavern and all the dogs you fight are there. And so if you, if you talk to the, the married dogs, they're like, still blowing my mind, man. Like, you still could fucking dogs petting other dogs, man. My life is different. And you talk to, um, there's like another dog um, that was, uh, um, he really wanted a treat, but the, I forget what his whole shtick was, but you can talk to him too. And then you can talk to Greater Dog, which is like the big, like, night dog that pops up out of the snow. And he doesn't talk. The, all the audio in the game drops when you click on him and he just barks. <laughs> And that's it. <laughs> it's really good. Um, so you can talk to all your fun dogs, and you can also talk to the uh, the the bro married bro knights um, when they're chilling outside the castle. They're like, hey man, don't tell anyone we let you go. But like, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, some some really good monster gags. I also like the the ice cap, the one with the cool hat, where you have to beat him by telling him his hat is cool, but you have to ignore him just long enough that he's like a little bit self conscious. mm Hmm. Yeah, some really fun monsters, I think, in the in the game. Um, yeah. Oh, and how could we forget? Uh, uh, oh my God, what is his name? The the ghost, the the ghost oh, that lays down. Uh, Napsta Block. Napsta Bluke. Bluke, yes. Napsta Bluke, my sweet baby. You beat him by complimenting him, and then when you go to his house, if you lay down with him long enough, you just like enter a meditative state. And everything is spaced for a while. I think I stayed there for like three minutes. Just <laughs> it was staring. nice, yeah. It's so good. Just and lying down on the floor. <laughs> with a 
little ghost. It's really good. On the Steam community page, somebody made a, a three a three D rendering of Napstabluke and Frisk laying down on the floor. I'm like, hell yeah, that's really great. That's the kind Aww. of fan content I'm looking for. That's nice. Um, okay, this game does something, which is that it has, as we've been alluding to, three endings. It has the neutral ending, the good ending, and the genocide ending. Um, and like. I just for I I do wish that games uh, it does kind of bum me out when games make you replay them to get the quote unquote true ending and like uh you know one egregious example is apparently a Shadow of the Hedgehog game for GameCube that you had to beat 11 times in order <gasps> to get the canonical ending which uh is wild Game devs in that era were on some shit Yeah just unhinged um, Nier Automata is probably the most famous one, the, the 2017 game by, um, fucking Yoko Taro. Um, but, like, yeah, that, that is the one where it's, like, they, you know, you, in order to, like, beat it, you have to play through five different endings, and the last time you, you play it, I don't think you have to actually play through the whole game five times, but, like, you do have to replay a lot, um, and, like, you know, once you get to, like, the third ending or something, like, you start getting new content, but, like, it is wild, and, like at the end you have to delete your save file in order to like help other people you know break through whatever is going on in the near near universe but like yeah i don't i don't love that just because i like have job i have a job now i'm i'm in shock i've entered a state of shock i think oh no did you not know about near no i thought i thought we were over this no mm. <laughs> um i Listen, in this economy, exactly. In this, in this economy, I have, no, I don't only have a job. I do things that are work outside of work. I play video games. Rare, rarely, I don't mm-hmm. got much. I've been trying to get through Pillars of Eternity two for a year now. Um, <laughs> I'm this close. I would have finished it yesterday if I didn't have to play Undertale. Uh, <laughs> Toby, how could you do this to us? Uh. Uh, I understand that children play many game, but the people with the disposable income, we also play game. Um, and we have little time. Help. This is why Supergiant Games reign supreme for me, because they're like, hey, you want, uh, <laughs> you want a game that could be 20 hours, but could also be 100 hours? Here's Hades. I'm like, thanks, babe. Perfect. So Undertale does this thing that I think is actually the most interesting thing about undertale which is that if you go down the quote-unquote genocide route like we we've talked a lot about how we don't want to use the fight button but if you go and you play through the whole game and you kill as many people as possible and like level grind in order to 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 kill all the monsters possible you get the bad ending um and undertale becomes a very different game about like halfway through it when you start doing this like, Sans will, like, straight up tell you, like, hey, if you keep going down this road, you're going to have a bad time. Uh, and what happens if you just do this over, you know, kill kill the monsters, like, the towns will just be abandoned. People will know that you're, like, a, a killer and you're coming and, like, people will just, like, not show up in the towns. Um, Alphys will evacuate everyone. Um, so, like, you know, the, the, the music will be pitched down. But, like, basically, it just becomes a completely different game where, like, you are just a murderer running through the, the, the Undertale universe and just, like, slaughtering people. And at the very end, what happens is, like, Flowey, who who has been, like, you know, the antagonist for all the good endings, like, begs you for mercy and is like, wait, no, I thought we were friends. And, like, please don't, you know, please don't hurt me. And you kill Flowey. Um, and then you fight Sans. Um Layla, do you know the song Megalovania? Yes. Okay. Megalovania is probably the most famous piece of music from this this uh, this game. It's a very good song. It's a fucking great song. Toby Fox, you know, he he's written music for Smash, but I, I think that's largely because Megalovania became so popular. Great song. Megalovania is only accessible if you do the genocide route and fight Sands. The best piece of music in this game is something that you can only get because the, if you do something the game explicitly tells you not to do. And that shit drives me up a wall. 
Yeah, um, hmm, I wonder, is it, so I know there's, there's a Undertale Megalovania, I wonder, because I know there's a Homestuck, hold on, Megalovania, yeah, there's also a Homestuck song called uh, Megalovania, uh, that is also one of the best pieces of music in the Homestuck uh, uh, canon, so I will, is it the same song? I don't think so, it can't be, anyway, we'll figure it out. This is Aaron from the next morning. Uh, Layla actually found out that this is the same song. Uh, don't add us, please. Yeah. No, it's I written just... by Toby Fox, though. That's very yeah. funny. Yep, there you go. He put a homestuck in Undertale. All uh, right. <laughs> and Megalovania books. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, ooh, like being rewarded for the thing the game tells you not to do. Hmm. And, like, listen, that's, of course, like, a very difficult fight, and, like, you know, it's supposed to be intentionally difficult, but, like, you know, when you actually do finally beat Sans, like, it does, like, have some very interesting stuff, like, you know, the, the final mechanic is, like, you know, he's just, like, okay, I'm never gonna take my turn, like, my my, my last attack is just, like, tr making you stall out here, and, like, it takes several minutes for you to, like, actually, like, get to the point where he, you know, you're able to sneak over to the fight button and, and kill him, uh, and then finally, um... When you play the game, this is where that that screenshot I put in our notes, Layla, comes up. But you you meet this girl, and it's revealed that that girl is Kara, who is the the sibling of Azriel. You know the 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 human sibling that that died or whatever. Um, I'm not I'm not sure which one of them dies, but it, it's revealed that you know this is the the person that like. I'm not sure exactly what happens, but basically Kara is, you know, your, your player character, whatever you name it, you know, it, it, it is implied that Kara is the person possessing Frisk and making them, you know, do whatever. And at the very end, Kara gives you the option to erase the save file because you're like, okay, you know, you've killed everyone in this game. Clearly, you know, you're just here to destroy everything and that's fine. Um, and if you don't, you get this thing where this little girl's face, like her eyes go all black and then her face, you know, malforms. And like, you get this jump scare where she turns into this like terrifying visage and asks you, you know, since when were you the one in control crashes your game. And then you have to like completely like hack into undertale and like mess with the files in order to ever be able to play it again. Like if you go back and try to play it, like it, it takes literally 10 minutes for you to, get like another line of dialogue from Kara who like, you know, continues to lecture you about how terrible you are. And like this sort of thing where the game developers will be like, Hey, like, like they address this when you talk, when you have your fight with Flowey, like Flowey's just like, Hey, you know, I, I bet there's like, you know, you're just doing this just to see what happens. Like, and he's like, you know, they even put a shout out to like YouTube streams. It's like, I bet, you know, there's hundreds of people watching that like didn't do this themselves, but they're just watching just to see what happens. And they're, they're sickos too. And I think it's so disingenuous. This happens in spec ops the line where like, they keep telling you like, Oh, Hey, you have to go through the world you have to play play the game but also the game's telling you to stop and it's like oh do you feel like a hero because you're you know actually the bad guy you've been the bad guy the whole time and i think it's very disingenuous for game designers to be like hey we worked very hard to make sure this is an interesting part of our game also why did you do it you you stupid gamer you nasty little pervert you know why did you why did you <laughs> see our art the way we wanted it to be seen I think you just got to the point I was trying to make earlier, like a lot more gracefully and with a lot more efficiency than when I was trying to make it in the first place. But it's it's getting back to that premise of like manufactured conflict. You know what I mean? Where um, it's there is nothing really within the world of the game that is forcing this like negative outcome you know like there's no like driving motivation for you within the context of the game world like it is very much a meta narrative but the problem is that the meta is the game developers talking to you in a sense of like trying to make you feel like a bad person in by doing the thing they like kind of want you to not want to do like it's really odd it's an odd conversation to be having and i feel like a lot of it happens when uh, the people involved in writing 
aren't necessarily looking at um, these conflicts that they're writing, especially in something like Spec Ops the Line, which is like an American military conflict happening, I believe, in the Middle East, right? Uh, it's in Dubai, yes. In Dubai. So um, if that writing team has never had to face a conflict like that as a minority, it is really, it's a different conversation to be having um, to to be like, well, here we are from a position of power talking to you in a position of power as an American, presumably, uh, uh, and we're going to make you feel like a bad person for in like a way that is unmotivated by anything but the fact that we want to make you feel like a bad person. Like, it's just a really weird conversation to be having, and I don't really understand how that's supposed to be fun or entertaining, which games should be (laughs) at least entertaining. (laughs) Yes, I don't think that games necessarily need to be, you know, fun. Like, I, I appreciate... Here's the thing. I really like that Undertale did this. Right, I think it, there is something to be said about like examining the traditional tropes of of RPGs and being like, yeah, what would a world look like if you were just somebody that went around, you know, murdering people? Like, I, I think that's a good thing, but like, it is very much, I feel, a dated narrative. Um, right? I, I mean, maybe it's because Undertale covered this ground, and like we've already had that cultural conversation. Um, you know, unfortunately, I don't have as long of a games memory to to be able to be like, you know, to look at maybe, you know, so, some of the older, you know, games that, that have came before and like have, have probably posed this because I guarantee it's not a new proposition. It's just new to me. But um, yeah, I I am happy Undertale has, you know, sparked this conversation in, in our generation. Um, but I do feel like, you know, it... it it, it's time it's time was you know back in 2015 um and you know games keep evolving you know our culture keeps evolving you know it, it's like we said with avatar right like our, our cultural consciousness and vocabulary continues to develop at, at a pace that is faster than media is produced um and as long as that is the case uh we're gonna get things that are a little bit dissonant and that's okay um but I, again i am super glad to have played undertale um and and like Undertale says, you know, I won't be playing it again. Yeah, I think I think I think you're exactly right. Uh, and I'm not sure if I said this on air or if I started saying this before we recorded, but uh, this experience was a lot like us watching Akira, which is to say that we are two people who really enjoy media history and really enjoy talking about media and its like specific properties contribution to the cultural conversation. Um, I think it is fine that sometimes we encounter things that are time capsules, which is exactly what Undertale is. And in a 2015 read, I think we would have reacted a lot differently. Aaron would have been high on life and I would have been (laughs) fucking miserable struggling to get through it. Probably crying to Megalovania at the end of the day. Um, But uh, uh, in 2021... It's just we have a different cultural perspective, and I think while both of us can appreciate certain aspects of the mechanics and the gameplay, it's just not for us, and that's okay. I think the the critical conversation we've had about it has been worthwhile, and please don't send us mean emails. <laughs> the thing is that for a game we didn't like very much, we did spend like 70 minutes talking about it, so like that's that's better than Akira, so that's, I'll, I'll take well, that. Akira, we couldn't even fucking stop. Yeah, no, it's like I said, it's good. It's just not for us, and that's fine. I would, I would agree. Yeah, cool. Um, Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, You can find me on the internet at Aaron SXL, where I talk about um, health policy, politics. Um, You can listen to the other podcasts I do at uh, the Bible Boys. Again, this is a week in advance. I don't, I don't know what we're doing this week. Hopefully it's fun. We, I, I recently, you know, maybe listened to our Gods of Generals one again. It was a weird one, but me and Josh did talk a lot about the Civil War, if that's your thing. <laughs> Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Tumblr and Twitter and no longer Instagram. I am leaving Instagram. I don't need it. It's making some changes that are not worth my time. So just Tumblr and Twitter. Um, you can also sign up for my quarterly newsletter at my homepage, which is LaylaMamadova.com. 
uh, and that's how you'll get my essays. And this month I might write about how Dom Toretto is an anime character. We'll find out. Uh- <laughs> Excellent. I'm so psyched for that one. <laughs> oh, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. Find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, how are we got to close it out this time? Aaron, I know we've been doing this podcast for like 59 weeks now, but I got a real troubling question for you. Is anime real? <laughs> we'll see you all next week. <laughs>